Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? Today, we are continuing on a journey of disarming communication. If you haven't been here for the last many episodes, I strongly encourage you to go back and listen. We are talking about all these forms of disarming communication. What does that mean? It means a way of communicating with your kids with true, like, true respect. And I think we think we do that, but we don't. We demand respect. And we take the authoritarian role. Authority is good. Authoritarian, not so good. So how can we communicate in a way with them that respects them, gives them control, but still gets them to do what we want. And I had to laugh because I was listening to, oh, I'm listening to a book about an American's experience with German parenting. And they really talked about, this is so true. When I think about this, America as the free country and how little freedom and independence our kids have probably one of the few countries where we take away a lot of our kids' freedom and independence. And and really think about that. Like think about how much we safeguard our kids. So giving them some ownership and control is huge. They need that. They need some independence. They need to make some decisions for themselves. These communication tactics will help get them there. So which one are we talking about today? Because I talk about seven to 10 different ones and we've gone through the first, I think four, So we are on to giving information today. That's the strategy name, giving information. With this strategy, you're doing exactly that. You are giving information (laughs) instead of instructing, instead of telling them what to do. So when you give information, you're kind of sort of equipping your kiddo with facts or directives about something or someone. You're giving them knowledge on something. So in a sense, you're educating them about how to make a good choice. So let me give you this example. Let's say there are dirty clothes all over your child's bedroom floor and you want them to clean them up. You could say, pick up your clothes from the, from the floor or you need to pick up your clothes. You need to clean your room. That's instructing. It's kind of straightforward, a little bit harsh. There is no option to say no. There is no room for debate. (laughs) It's a little blunt. Doesn't give them much ownership. Doesn't give them much power control. Doesn't really give them a lot of respect because it's patronizing. Yes, you're their parent, but we also don't always need to communicate with them like that. So instead you could say something like, because you're giving information. So give information about where the clothes go. Hey, dirty clothes belong in the laundry. Dirty clothes go in the laundry. Um, 
because then it sets up a problem for them to solve. Okay. The problem is the floor is dirty. The problem is your clothes are on the floor. <clears throat> you're telling them where the, the stuff could go, but you're not telling them when or how to put it there. So it gives them so much more freedom in how to do it. So the big thing with this is when you set up a problem for a child to solve, they've got to process the language, figure out the problem, think of a solution, and then think about how to implement that solution. So when we use this strategy, people will often say it doesn't work. It's because I didn't give the child enough wait time to really process through the language, think of the problem, solve the problem and implement. There are a lot of steps there. So give them a chance to do that. And if it still fails, you can always follow up with another communication tactic. Okay. So lots of easy ways to give communication. Some things to be mindful of while doing this. Be clear and direct. Don't go off on tangents. Don't add a bunch of other language. No questions. Just give them the information. Dishes belong in the dishwasher. Garbage belongs in the garbage can. Toothpaste belongs under the cabinet. You know, whatever it may be. And don't try not to say things like, how many times do I have to tell you to put your clothes away? Or how many times do I have to repeat myself? One time. That's all you have to do. One time, repeat it, walk away. Give them a chance to implement. If they don't implement, then then follow a different strategy. But shaming them or blaming them for not doing the thing you want them to do isn't going to get them any closer to doing the thing you want them to do. Whew. Fast mouthful. Move closer to them. Sometimes we say directions from far away and they're engaged with a game or a toy or video game or something, social media. They may not hear you. So get close enough to them so that when you unleash the statement, they hear you and your body language is communicating like, I need this done now. If it is something that needs to be done now, just don't shout from across the room and expect them to hear you. Use age-appropriate information and language. So make sure that the directions that you're giving can be understood, that they're within context. These kids aren't, even young kids, aren't they aren't babies anymore. So we need to treat them like mini adults and that will get them closer to adulting, which is what we ultimately are aiming for, <laughs> independent beings. One piece of information at a time, not multiple steps, not multiple directions, not multiple things. Just one. Our brain can only handle so many things at one time. And right now in the world with sensory input really high, stress really high, anxiety high, depression high, everything high, try and keep it to one directive or one, not, not directive, one piece of information. And the last reminder is just give them time to process. Give them more than a few seconds to respond to your giving information statement and watch and wait for a bit. And then you might have to repeat yourself, but you shouldn't be repeating yourself more than, more than once. Okay. Let me give you some more examples. If there are Legos all over the floor, I might give information about where the Legos go instead of telling them to put the Legos away. Legos belong in the basket. Um, there, there are so many ways to, to use this. What I will say is that it's a little bit hard to use in the moment if you've never used it before because you kind of get stuck. So you have to use your logical, rational mind to think of a way to change what you're saying to offer information. <laughs> 
so it helps to think about if there's like a, an instance that keeps coming up, dirty rooms, dirty dishes, toys out, whatever. Maybe if, if you know those things are going to keep happening, think ahead to what you might say if you were to give information in those moments. Plan ahead, create a statement that you know you're going to use. So when the moment comes, you are prepared and you are ready. Best way to do that. All right. That was giving information in a nutshell. If you want more information about giving information, <laughs> I have blog posts. I have courses that teach all about these communication techniques and so much more. So go there for more information or to me an email or a comment below. <laughs> okay. That takes us to today's listener question, which is how do we manage our own stress around challenging behaviors? Maybe a parent maybe someone who works with kids, maybe an educator, how do we take care of ourselves so that we can manage, deal with, work with these kids and guide them? The biggest thing is this very popular word we call self-care. But when I teach self-care, I don't teach it as like, go treat yourself once a month on this day. Self-care is a daily ritualized practice. It is something that we do every single day to preventatively <clears throat> address our stress response system to kind of shape it back to neutral. And it's not these like little glamorous acts, but these little things that we embed into our day that really are imperative to our functioning. So I have a whole course on stress management and self-care. Break it down into five big areas. Determine where you're at on a scale of taking care of yourself. Are you in the more reactive side of the continuum or are you on the more preventative side? And how do you get to the, the preventative side? How do you get to a space where self-care, stress management, stress response shifting is, is a more natural, habitual practice to you? I also wrote a series of blog posts on this. I did a series of podcasts on this. So tons of information everywhere. But the biggest thing here is micro steps to implementing these practices because that's what's sustainable. A huge jump into like exercising an hour a day, five days a week is just not sustainable. But exercising five minutes a day, two days a week is sustainable. And then adding another day, adding another day or adding a few more minutes, whatever it is, micro steps, little bits, that's what gets sustainability. And note that if we don't make this a priority in our lives, we won't be able to show up for our kids. You can't give what you don't have. To wrap up the show, a little piece of self-care for you, our chart at home tip, which is add more plants to your house <laughs> or classroom. Because the visual aesthetic and stimulation that comes from plants is calming. Nature is calming. Plant life is calming. If we can't take kids into nature, bring the nature into the classroom or the home. Same for us. Doesn't just work for kids. Also, a lot of plants purify the air and make it cleaner and better for breathing, especially if you live in a city. And certain plants have calming or awakening impacts. Mint, minty things, pepperminty things, plants, herbs awaken you up. Senses, good thing to have like near your desk or near a working area. What calms you and relaxes you? Lavender, plants and lavender. <laughs> Okay, that is it for today's episode of Returning to Us podcast. Remember our tried at home tip, which is plants. Add them to your space. If you would like me to answer one of your questions on a future show, email me at podcast at thebehaviorhub.com or you can even shoot me a text, 717-693-7744.
and lock in what you know, what you learned, what you're going to do by commenting below. Let me know maybe an example of what a giving information phrase would look like in your house or in your classroom. Actually apply this strategy. It's the best way to make it your new natural language. And until next episode, I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer. Thanks for joining me.